Well, good morning, everyone. Today we are start, starting a new series on the book of Joshua. And uh, one of the interesting things about it is, is that Joshua uh, begins when there's a transition of leadership from Moses, the first leader of the nation of Israel after they were led out of captivity and slavery. God had called Moses at the burning bush, and for 40 years he had led the nation of Israel. Well, what happened was after Moses died, Joshua, his aide, took his place. And so today, when we start this book of Joshua, we're going to start with Joshua and how God prepared him for this transition into leadership. All of us are going to face new situations in our lives, starting a new job, um, starting a new marriage, uh, retiring, becoming parents, all kinds of transitions. And how do you get ready for this? How does God prepare us for this? And it was so funny, it was just a few months ago, I was... Uh, performing a wedding ceremony, and, uh, and so I always have some few minutes before the wedding starts with the groom, and we pray together and talk about you ready and stuff, and so we were getting dressed, uh, he had just getting the final touches on his uh, tuxedo and other things like this, and I'm standing with him, and he goes, he looks at me, he goes, are you nervous? And I go, no, I'm good. <laughs> You're the one making a lifetime commitment, I'm going to go home and cut grass after we're done here today. <laughs> and it was so funny. He goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, you think I'm ready? Well, I had spent a whole lot of time with he and his fiance getting ready for this wedding. We went through some stuff. And I said, oh, you're more than ready. But you got to keep the Lord at the center of your life. So today, you're going to find out that that's the secret for Joshua, too. It's a secret for you and me. No matter where we are, God's going to bring us to some changes in our lives. This year, some of you have made that change. Some of you are about to make another change. Or you know somebody who's in the midst of something and they're scared to death. Well, you're going to love this whole series because we're going to spend a few weeks in the book of Joshua. And in God's word, we find all these wonderful instructions on how to be strong and courageous. If you'd like to be stronger and more courageous in your faith and in your life, would you say amen? amen. Then let's pray about it. Lord, I just pray that today you'll speak and move me out of the way. I want to be stronger and more courageous. I don't want to be known as a weakling or a coward. I don't want to be known as somebody who doesn't know what's going on, who's timid and fearful. I want to be somebody who trusts you and makes the most of every opportunity I have. So today, Lord, I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way, and you will make us strong and courageous, just like you did Joshua. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Point one on your outline, God commanded Joshua to be strong and courageous when he took Moses' place. Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's a pretty direct <laughs> conversation. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Moses had led them for 40 years all through uh, on the journey from Egypt all the way to the edge of the promised land. But because of some decisions in his life and some of the reactions that he, had, uh, he and his brother Aaron had, he wasn't allowed to go in. And so Moses had died and Joshua was taking over. You're the one. The Lord said, wherever you set your foot, you'll, on, you, will land, you will be on land that I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Now this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Now, a couple of live applications for you and me out of this real quickly are these. First of all, God wants me to be strong and courageous when I face new challenges and opportunities. And again, sometimes when I put the word me in there or the pronoun me, if you'd put your own name there, that would be great. God wants uh, John to be strong and courageous. John wants Sally. John wants Bruce or Billy. He wants you to be strong and courageous when you face a new situation. Maybe you've gotten a, a, you've got a health concern or an injury or you've been through the loss of a loved one. I don't know if I can make it. Well, if the Lord, with the Lord's help, I can. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Now, that spirit is the Holy Spirit. When we give our lives to Christ, Jesus said I'm, to his disciples, I'm going to send to the Father and get everything ready for you in heaven. But while I'm gone, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit, and he will be in you. He will transform you from the inside out. He will change you. In Galatians 5, in the margin, right, Galatians 5, 22, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit that are produced in your lives uh, through the Holy Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience, not fear and timidity, anxiety and stress. Hey, you can tell if the Holy Spirit's living in you, you'll be stressed out, worried, and you'll just just be freaking out that's not what jesus said that's not what paul said he said i'm going to give you the holy spirit i'll guide you in all truth paul said he's going to produce peace and joy and patience i want all that and so do you at least you said so you said amen when we started a minute ago now if that's the case when i'm feeling fearful and afraid i gotta ask myself well that's not coming from the holy spirit God didn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so if I'm shaking in my shoes about something, either I don't have the right perspective on something, or I haven't spent enough time in prayer about this yet, or both. So today, just remember this. Joshua, you're going to see in the weeks to come, Joshua faces all sorts of challenge. he has challenges. He has to fight battle after battle after battle, and God prepared him for each one. But he had to rely on the Lord, and the Lord told him, now be strong and courageous. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. And when we're right with the Lord, what are we afraid of? Because look at the next life application. We don't need to be afraid of going where God leads us because he's going with us. I mean, can you imagine the 12 disciples? Jesus told them, he said, look, I discipled you for these last three years. Now I want you to go, go disciple the rest of the whole world. The whole world? Yeah. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and, of the, and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. Will you read this out loud with me, please? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And there was a typo in the, when this bulletin got printed, and it did that line twice. I'm actually glad it did, because <laughs> it was, uh, well, I thought that was neat. Anyway, uh, but I'd love for you to read that last line. Let's read that whole last line one more time. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If I am a disciple of Jesus, the Lord is always with me. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? 
God didn't give me a spirit of fear. So if I'm shaking in my shoes, hmm, where's that coming from? Why am I afraid? Have I surrendered this to the Lord? Have I asked God's direction on this? And if he's given me his direction, then I need to be like Joshua, where the Lord told him, Joshua, Moses is dead. I've appointed you to take this position. Now be strong and courageous. I'm with you. Remember, Joshua had seen the waters part at the Red Sea, and the Israelites crossed on dry ground. The Egyptians chased them with an army of chariots, uh, an advanced army, and they were all drowned when the water clo waters closed back over them. Joshua had seen that. The Lord told him, I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. Don't you be afraid. Step up. You're ready. And that brings us to point two. God had used Joshua's whole life to prepare him for the job. And the reason I'm going over this is, if God is going to tell us to be strong and courageous and depend on him, then we have to realize, sometimes we don't even realize this, God's been doing the same things in our lives that he did in Joshua's life. He's taken us through certain circumstances and situations to get us to the place where we're not afraid anymore, where we learn to trust on him more. We learn to be patient with his direction. And you'll see all that. Um, and so we're going to hit three stories in Joshua's life. But I want to remind us again that this was specific to Joshua. God had prepared him. Listen to Joshua 1.6. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors, I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. I told their ancestors that I'd give this to their descendants, and you're the one to lead them in. You, Joshua. The Lord knows my name and your name. We'll get to some scriptures that will make that clear to you in just a second. And he has things for you to do. Sometimes when I tell people the Lord has things for us to do, they go, well, yeah, John, you. I mean, you're a pastor. He's got things for you to do, but not me. Mm -mm. Doesn't apply just to me. It applies to all of us. I've got, I've got certain things God wants me to do. He's got certain things he wants you to do. And the good news is he's going to go with us and empower us every step of the way. Well, three ways that he got Joshua ready. First of all, point A, first way was this. Through victory in battle, Joshua had learned to depend on the Lord's strength, not his own. He learned to depend on the Lord's strength, not his own, through victory. You're also going to see that he had to go through some hard times in a second. But even when he went through good times, he learned to depend on the Lord's power, not his own. This is from Exodus 17. When they were still traveling to the promised land... While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. There were different uh, lands that they crossed through on their way to the promised land. The Amalekites were the descendants of Esau. The Israelites were the descendants of Jacob. And there was a long-standing family feud. And you can go back and if you have questions about that, you can email me or something. I'll be glad to explain to you uh, the feud between Jacob and Esau. But the descendants of Esau didn't want them to pass through. And in Deuteronomy, uh, in uh, chapter, um, gosh, where was that? That was in Deuteronomy, I think it was 22, but I'll have to look that up again. But in Deuteronomy, uh, there's even a place where it talks about how the Amalekites came. And they didn't just come right away and attack them. They were picking people off. They were picking off the stragglers, uh, the weakest of the Israelites. And finally, uh, you know, and after they'd done this for a little while, Moses turned around and he said, Joshua, let's deal with this problem. So that's what's going on. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek, uh, Amalek attacked them, picking them off, just all the stragglers at the back of the crowd that was moving. 
And Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I'll stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did what Moses had commanded, and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed uh, to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. Whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Well, Moses' arms soon became so tired, he, couldn't, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset, and as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I'll erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. So Joshua goes out to fight this fight, and Moses stands on top of, sits on, or stands on top of a hill, and he's got a staff. Now, this is not Moses' staff. This is a walking stick I borrowed from my father-in-law. <laughs> but it probably looks something like this, although I think Moses' staff might have been a little taller, a little more biblical. Anyway, um, but the idea, a little more imposing maybe. I, hope, I don't know. It could have been a staff just like this. But if you remember, the staff is what uh, God had used. The people had seen God's power displayed through this when he had confronted Pharaoh and told Pharaoh to let the people go. Pharaoh said, how do I know you're not just making this up? How do I know God spoke to you? And Moses took the staff and threw it on the ground. And it became a snake. He reached down and grabbed the snake, and it became a staff again. When they got to the edge of the Red Sea where the waters parted, God told them, hold the staff out over the water, and the waters will part. And it did. And in this case, the people all understood that this represented God's power was with them, the staff. When they went out to battle, Moses held up the staff. And whenever he held up the staff, the army won. And whenever he lowered, his arms got tired, they started getting pushed back. You can imagine Joshua leading the fight. Moses' arms get tired, and they're starting to push back. He goes, Moses, lift up the staff! Okay. And the whole idea there, these were a bunch of slaves who had never been trained for battle. I mean, slaves. Think cooks, bakers, stonemasons, butlers, cleaners. Those, that's who the Israelites were. They were slaves. They weren't soldiers. They'd never been trained to use a sword. They'd been trained to use a frying pan and an iron. And now all of a sudden, and to build houses. And now all of a sudden, they're fighting in battle against an army. Moses holds up the staff, and they win. And after it's over, to make sure Joshua never forgets it, the Lord says, write this down. That's why we have that account in Exodus 17. Moses wrote it down. And they didn't call this place the battle where Joshua won a great victory because he was commanding the forces with his superior strategy. They, they called it Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. This staff represented the banner of the Lord. The Lord was going to win the battle. In the bottom of your page or in the margin there, just write these words. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Could you say it with me, please? The battle is the Lord's. David said that when he ran into battle against Goliath. Goliath laughed at him. A shepherd boy coming at a trained warrior who was a giant. And David said, well, you come to me with all your experience and all your armor. I come to you in the name of the Lord high God. The battle is the Lord's, and he will defeat you. There's a life application for you and me. Flip it open. 
We cannot live fruitful, victorious lives apart from God's power. Joshua learned this. You want to have victory in battle? Depend on the Lord's power. The battle is the Lord's. David learned it. You and I need to learn it. Jesus said the same thing to his disciples. He said, I am the vine, you're the branches. For a man remains in me, and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He didn't say you can do a little bit, you can win some of the time. What did he say? Nothing. The battle is the Lord's, and he must win. Oh, this is good news. When we face a difficult situation, maybe we're starting a new job. Maybe we're enrolling in school in the fall for the first time. We haven't been, to, been back to college in 20 years, scared to death. Well, if the Lord goes with us, and he's, gonna, and he's the one who's called us, this, called us this, we've prayed about this, we know it's what he wants us to do, then he will win the battle. Again, if that's good news to you, we say amen. This whole book is filled with stories that should encourage you and me. Moses went through battles, and the Lord didn't say, figure it out. He said, Moses, extend the rod. Now he's telling Joshua, I'm going to be, be with you just like it was with Moses. Remember? Yeah. Be strong and courageous. So, first of all, he learned, Joshua learned to depend on God's power through victory in battle. Point B, secondly, he learned through a national revolt, Joshua learned to obey God's instructions even if nobody else did. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Well, what's going on? Well, what's going on is this, is that uh, when the Israelites finally got to the edge of the promised land, uh, even though the Lord had protected them from the Egyptians and from uh, the Amalekites, all kinds of people as they traveled, when they got to the edge of the promised land, they sent some spies in. They sent 12 spies in to go spy out the land and figure out the best way to attack it, because God said they had to go in there. And when, they came, when the spies came back, they said, the land is as good as everything uh, we've been promised. It's land flowing with milk and honey. But man, there are huge cities there, and the people are all strong and tall. Uh, we're going to get crushed. We can't go in there. We're all going to die. So again, let me read this again, Numbers 14. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. And their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron, because they were the ones leading them. Obeying what God said. Oh, if only we'd died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they said. Well, two of the 12 spies, the men who had explored the land, Joshua, the guy who the book of Joshua is named after here, the guy taken over from Moses, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. And they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people in the land. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But read the next phrase with me. But the Lord is with us. Remember, when he's taking over Moses, 40 years later, he's, got, he's remembering this. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. The very people who had been eager to get to the promised land, when they saw the difficulties that were going to be involved, they turned chicken and wanted to go back to slavery. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, the Lord goes with us. Yahweh Nisi, he's our banner. They can't stand against us. 
But instead of listening, the people wanted to stone them. And out of that circumstance, Joshua and Caleb had both learned, I'm going to stand on the Lord's side. Joshua had been there in the battle. He knew he couldn't have won without the Lord's help. He knew that when the Lord was doing something, nobody could stand against him. And now you know why he was chosen. He was willing to go where God called him to go and lead the people where God told him to lead them, even if the odds looked impossible. Life application for you and me. We cannot live fruitful, victorious lives apart from God's word, God's instructions. The instructions were to go into the land. Joshua was willing to obey even if nobody else did. Well, we have instructions too. The instructions are called God's word, the Bible. Are we going to live according to his word or go our own way? The people want to go their own way, and they wanted to stone the people who were saying, we need to live according to what God told us to do. Joshua 1 again, 40 years later. Joshua, you're taking over Moses, so be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left, and then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And those promises are still true today. Here's the good news. You and I have the Bible. And if you and I want direction, and if we want to live prosperous, fulfilling lives, then all we need to do is depend on God's Word. If that's good news to you, would you say amen? Amen. I remember when I first got into ministry, uh, (laughs) I was uh, working at Fraser Methodist at the time, in Montgomery, and uh, there was a, a funeral that was going to take place, and the family had asked me to officiate. And it was one of the first funerals I had ever uh, performed, and this person was dearly loved, and there was a large crowd that came to the funeral. Lots of people came, and the family asked me to do it because I had known the person who passed away. And uh, so I was a lot younger then, and uh, so, well, I looked pretty good. Anyway, but the idea is, uh, the idea was, I looked a lot younger, and this undertaker who was, who was in charge of this, he sized me up, and he thought I was a greenhorn, and so he came in uh, to this, we were standing there before the funeral, and he goes, you're the one officiating today? And I went, yes, sir, I am, and he goes, okay, and, um, and he goes, wow, you know, you could tell he didn't think I could do this, and um, what I, the reason I share that with you is, is that uh, when he asked me, do you think you can do this? I go, yeah, I'm ready. Well, the reason I was ready is because I had word from the Lord. I mean, when, you, when I stand before you on Sunday mornings, hear this, I want you to understand I'm not coming to you with all kinds of clever and persuasive arguments. I'm just trying to do my best to make sure you and I understand what the scripture says. The power is in God's word, not in me. If I can talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. The Lord convinces you of something, you are forever changed. God's word is living and powerful. And that's why I told him, yeah, I'm ready. Because I had wonderful things to share about this man's convictions. I had met with the family. I had scriptures to share that he believed in. I had scriptures of hope and assurance about eternal life because of his relationship through Jesus Christ. And I could stand up there with power and conviction. After the funeral was over, I met uh, that same, we went to the graveside, and the undertaker walked up next to me and goes, man, I owe you an apology. I sized you up. I didn't think you could do it. And I went, oh, really? And um, <laughs> that's a poorly kept secret. Anyway, uh, but the point was, he said, that was a powerful word. And I go, well, that's why I was ready. 
It doesn't depend on me. It's one of the reasons I stand before you today with courage, and I invite you to come back every single week in this series in Joshua. I can guarantee you'll be blessed. Oh, John, you think you're such a great teacher? No, I think God's word is living and active, and if you and I will listen to it, he will give us courage and strength more than we could ever believe. Now listen to that. This is why we want each of you to be reading God's word every day. There's power in God's word. Joshua knew it. Caleb knew it. He is our banner. I don't have to be afraid. And all God was doing when he uh, spoke to him there at the edge of the promised land was saying, I was with Moses and you know it. And I'll be with you the same way. You're going to face a lot of scary stuff, but you be brave and of good courage. Don't you dare be afraid. Man, I love that. We have God's word, and when we stick to God's word, oh, I don't have to be afraid. One more life application, by the way. God will reward us if we're courageous to obey him, even if nobody else does. If we do that, you could circle the word we. He'll reward me. He'll reward you if I'm willing to be courageous, even if nobody else comes along. By the way, you may not have noticed this, but our culture doesn't believe the Lord protects us anymore. Our culture, there are many in our culture who laugh at the notion of obeying the Bible. They'll laugh at you and me, and they'll mock us and make fun of us. God blesses you. This is Jesus, his disciples. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. I mean, this is what you find in the book of Acts. The disciples get beaten and they come home rejoicing because they actually believe what Jesus said. I want to be remembered for that. Man, wouldn't you love it on your tombstone? Yahweh Nisi. John trusted God to empower him. The Lord was his banner. Man, I want that. And there's eternal rewards that we'll enjoy forever. So, Joshua learned to depend on God's power. To victory in battle, he learned to obey God's instructions, even if nobody else did, from that national rebellion there at the edge of the promised land. Third thing, real quickly, and through 40 years of wandering after that, Joshua had learned to wait on God to fulfill his promises. He'd learned to wait on God to fulfill his promises. 40 years of wandering. That's what happened. People said, we can't go in. The giants there will kill all our children. And the Lord said, no, they won't. I promise to protect you. And since you're so worried about your children, here's what I'll do. Then the Lord was very angry with them. This is more of Numbers 32. And he vowed, of all those I rescued from Egypt... No one who is 20 years old or older will ever see the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. The only exceptions are Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun. Same Joshua again, for they have wholeheartedly followed the Lord. The Lord was angry with Israel and made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the entire generation that sinned in the Lord's sight had died. And the only two people who were older than 20 years old that ever saw the promised land 
and walked into it and received their inheritance, received what God was promised, were Joshua and Caleb. But 40 years later. Now here's a life application for you and me. Waiting on God to fulfill his promises takes strength and courage. Think of the strength and courage it took Joshua and Caleb. They had done nothing wrong. The rest of the nation rebelled, but they still had to suffer the consequences along with them. Imagine how hard it was for them, because we have lots of accounts that during those 40 years, the people grumbled and complained. Why is God making us do this? Can you imagine the strength it took for them? Why is God making us do this? We were standing at the border, and you wouldn't go in. You were one of the people who shouted the loudest that we should go back to Egypt. Man, the courage it took to wait. Yet both of them entered the promised land, and both of them died heroes' deaths when they got there. I want to be like these guys. That's why we're doing this series. Mm. David had to wait 13, 14 years, whatever it was, after the time he was anointed to be king till the time he became king. Psalm 27, he wrote, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Same kind of thing. David had learned the same lesson Joshua's learned. Be strong and courageous. Wait. Man, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been praying for a loved one. They have been straying from God, and it's been years now, and they brought all sorts of pain in their lives. Oh, will God return? Keep praying. Don't quit. Some of you know in your own marriage, you've been praying for your spouse. You've worked through some hard things, and people around you giving up on their vows. Just give up. Get out. Give up. Get out. Give up. Get out. Give up. Get out. The favorite slogan of our culture. Give up. Get out. But God has called you to pray and love and forgive. And he will do amazing things if you honor him. I mean, to listen to Joshua and to study his life, to see a man who is long-suffering and patient, who is courageous, who trusted in God's power even when it all looked hopeless. Now, I tell you all this for the last life application. God is using all the events in my life, both good and bad, to equip me. God used victory in battle. God used Joshua and Caleb standing in front of the nation, everybody deserting them. God used 40 years of wandering in the wilderness to shape Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua became the leader after Moses. Here's how it applies to you and me. For we, not Joshua, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. Hebrews 13.20. These are all New Testament references. Now may the God of peace who brought, up the who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus. Remember, it's God's power power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. And finally, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Put all those three verses together. 
God has things for us to do. He's working on us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is working in you. Yahweh Nisi. And he's using even hard things in your life to prepare you for the future. Will you and I accept this? Our culture will war against this. Give up, get out. There is no God. His word isn't faithful. You're waiting for nothing. Don't trust in his word. That's so out of date. We got to update this thing. Mm -mm. We have to obey. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come today, and I pray that we will lean on you as Moses leaned on his staff that you would be our banner and that we depend on your strength and not our own. I pray, Lord, that we would bring our problems to you and surrender them. We cannot do this in our own strength and we don't even want to try. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, today...